Father's Day. Shout out to all the dads and moms that play both mom and dads out there. Happy Father's Day to all of you. In entertainment news, got a lot of stuff going on, including today the unfortunate passing of director of a couple of the Batman films and The Lost Boys. Joel Schumacher dies at the age of 80 after a year-long battle with cancer. We'll talk a little bit about that. In sports, looks like The Undertaker may have retired after expressing that he is no longer interested in entering competition. We'll talk a little bit about that. In video game news, looks like uh, Microsoft is actually, uh, Microsoft is shutting down Mixer and will now partner with Facebook Gaming. We'll talk a little bit about that. Plus, today, I have a special guest, up-and-coming musical artist, Zakeda, and we talk a little bit about his awesome uh, brand-new song, Poison, and uh, his journey to getting to where he's at today. But first, here is Allie with Heat Wave, right here on the Xander Effect.
Hey yo, Swing World, what's good with yourselves? This is your boy Twizzle White Peace, and guess what? You're listening to that super saucy show known as The Xander Effect. So make sure you tune in, turn up, and turn out for my boy Xander. You feel me? The Xander Effect. You did.
Quizm White Pieces Overdose right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, today Hollywood has lost a very popular, very amazing director, uh, which is Joel Schumacher. The Batman films and Lost Boys director died today at the age of 80 after battling a year-long battle with cancer. Joel Schumacher uh, directed so many amazing films besides uh, Batman, uh, besides Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Uh, he also directed The Lost Boys, one of my favorite movies, actually. Lost Boys was definitely one of my favorite movies. Um, he also directed Falling Down. He was nominated for uh, Academy Awards in in a couple of his, in, in one of his movies. Uh, well, actually, he, he uh, got, uh, received three Oscar nominations for The Phantom of the Opera, which he also directed, but he finally got, an, uh, he finally got Oscars for St. Elmo's Fire, which starred uh, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy, and Demi Moore. Another, that's another freaking amazing movie that, uh, that he also directed. Another one of my favorites was St. Elmo's Fire, and even the music from St. Elmo's Fire is also still being played today uh, as classic throwbacks. To, to that to that time period and you know it's it's a very sad day in the Hollywood industry to see such a talented director pass so my condolences go to his family and uh, Joel Schumacher you will be missed in the industry in other entertainment news speaking of Batman it looks like uh, Michael Keaton the original Batman is in talks to making a special appearance as Bruce Wayne in uh, the new Flash movie starring Ezra Miller that basically that movie was uh, was actually pushed back due to the coronavirus and everything that's going on. But as things start to reopen, uh, looks like they're looking at brand new production dates. And uh, Michael Keaton might be playing his original role, which would be amazing. It looks like the way they're going to integrate him, obviously he can't play Batman in this particular movie because the Batman that was there was actually Ben Affleck. And that, of course, Ben Affleck's not going to play that character. There's already been talks that he already left that, that whole... Uh, that whole spiel behind him, but um, uh, looks like uh, looks like what they're gonna do with this particular movie because, as we all know, uh, in the CW, The Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, uh, Arrow, they were all involved, and in also uh, um, you know uh, Black Lightning, they were all involved in the crossover having to do with multiverses. So, what's gonna happen here? It, apparently, the the premise for the new Flash movie uh, from Warner Brothers is they're going to introduce also the multiverse in that movie as well. And with that comes, I mean, they, they kind of teased about it in uh, the crossover that the CW had, which was, uh, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they did show one of the Earths in the multiverse belonging to the Michael Keaton Batman. Uh, they even had the reporter that, that played that, the you know, the character of the reporter in the original Batman series or the original Batman movie. Um, so they're going to be, they, they're actually taking that and putting it into the Flash movie as well because I guess Flash uh, opens reaches to different multiverses and in one of them is, well, the original Batman, Bruce Wayne, Michael Keaton. So that, to be honest with you, that is like, that is going to be awesome. They do that. That's just going to be amazing to go ahead and see, you know, uh, this childhood uh, actor come back in his version. Because, you know, yes, uh, there was many other Batmans after him. And to be honest with you, uh, Christian Bale's Batman 
would definitely gave Michael Keaton's Batman a run for his money because he did an amazing job in that. And uh, I think those are the, my top two best Batmans uh, for all the Batmans franchise. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if it's between Christian Bale and Michael Keaton, I got to give it to Michael Keaton. I mean, maybe it's because, I don't know, Michael Keaton just brings this this kind of uh, kind of a dark like like a darker image of Bruce maybe or of Bruce Wayne or maybe it's because you know he was the first you know Batman in a Batman movies that you know made him so iconic but to be honest with you I mean bringing him back in the new Flash movie that's going to be a treat for a lot of fans of the original Batman movies so we'll see what happens they're still in talks nothing has been set in stone but just the fact of the matter that they're still in talks that's always a good thing so let's hope that that actually happens in other entertainment news Looks like Justin Bieber is uh, being uh, accused of sexual assault, but he's not taking it lying down, not even a little bit. Justin Bieber is actually very clearly upset at this accusation because, I don't know, it seems like people are getting accused happy, you know, in trying to, you know, get one of these high-profile celebrities or artists and trying to get either money from them or ruin their reputation. It could be a hater. It could be whatever. But Justin Bieber did not take it lying down. He went ahead and went on social media. He went on Twitter to say, quote, I don't normally address things as I have dealt with random accusations my entire career. But after talking with my wife and team, I have decided to speak up on an issue tonight. Rumors are rumors, but sexual abuse is something I don't take lightly. I wanted to speak out right away, but out of respect to so many victims who deal with these issues daily, I wanted to make sure I gathered the facts before I made any statement. There is no truth to this story. Every claim of sexual abuse should be taken very seriously, and this is my response or, or, and this is why my response was needed. However, this story is factually impossible, and that is why I will be working with Twitter and authorities to take legal action. And he did, because he went ahead and posted on Twitter various uh, news articles, various receipts, proving that he was nowhere near, uh, the because he was being accused of... of uh, Sexual assault, sexually assaulting a woman at the Four Seasons, and uh, you know, and this all took place in um, this all this all basically took place in 2014, and so the date in question was basically March 9th, and he's got proof galore, uh, you know, that says that he was nowhere near the Four Seasons on March 9th. He was with his then-girlfriend, Selena Gomez. Uh, he's got witnesses that say that they were with him. I mean, there, there's there's a bunch of evidence that basically refutes the allegations of him being anywhere near the Four Seasons or of a sexual assault. So, yeah, I mean, looks like, you know, Justin Bieber definitely, uh, you know, watched himself on this one. And to be honest, good for him. I mean, you know, Bieber, he may have a lot of characteristic flaws that many people have seen throughout the years. But, I mean, to accuse of the guy of something like this, that's that's pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. Um, and those are very serious allegations. Hopefully, uh, all these things will, will prove that, you know, he's innocent. And nothing happened. And uh, that person that accused him, well, they might have uh, some legal, legal ramifications for false accusations. So who knows what, where that's going to go. You know, we'll see what we'll see what happens, you know, with all this mess that happened with Bieber. In other entertainment news, 
I had the opportunity to interview up-and-coming artist Zakeda, and man, let me tell you, this guy's music is incredible. It's an incredible, it's incredible music, um, you know. And I got to chat with him a little bit about his journey through the musical industry. But first, here is Zakeda's Poison right here on the Sander Effect. Cicada on here. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Another beautiful day in paradise, man. I got to tell you, um, you know, we just came back. We just listened to your song right now, Poison. And uh, man, that song is freaking incredible, dude. Like, seriously, your music is incredible, you know, bar none. Like, I've actually, I've, I've you know, I love hearing up and coming artists and all their their uh, and all their new stuff that they have got going on. And let me tell you, dude, it's 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 crazy that um, you know that you've been doing this type of music and it hasn't like gone mainstream. I mean, what what's been going on with that? Uh, well, I like to keep a very very low key, um, and you know, for for actually for for quite some time before releasing the EP, I released a song called uh, Thorazine. And that was in December. And um, at that moment, I was just having like a lot of doubts artistically and musically. And I was actually just about to uh, to give up on on the EP and just music in general and just kind of go a different route. But um, uh, fortunately, I, I was able to run into 
my manager Matt, uh, who's also one of my close friends, and you know he heard and he's like, no man, you gotta you gotta complete this, you gotta just go through with it. And at that time, I was also working with a new engineer, and uh, I gotta say, you know, the, the team around me saw something that I didn't see in myself, and uh, I, as soon as I kind of felt, you know, their support, it just uh, sparked something in me, and I just laid out the whole EP in about two days. Nice, nice. Now, well, I gotta tell you, dude, your your music is really awesome. Like, I love it. It's the type of it's the type of music that I actually listen to as well. So, I really enjoy it. I gotta ask you though, the name Zakeda. You know, I mean that that name is like it's very unique, and it's the type of name that I would either hear on a superhero or on a villain. I don't know which one yet. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? You know, a superhero is usually doing the right thing for society but the villain is usually the one that sees the corruption in society so i guess yeah i mean i i could be both i guess but um the the name came from actually you know the the insect because a cicada because you know they're kind of quiet for about what like 13 years and then they come making their noise and then they go back and you know just chill and that kind of uh it kind of reflects on on me really as, as a person you know like i said before i'm I'm pretty quiet. I'm pretty to myself. But when I have something uh, on my mind or something that I want to express, I, I express it, you know, and, and I go very into detail about it. And I'm passionate about it. And then after I express it, I kind of just lay back and, and see what else, you know, will grab my attention that that, that will inspire me. And that's and that's reflected on your music as well, apparently, because it seems that you're using, you know, you're, you're pretty much you stay quiet on a personal level. But when you start creating music, that's when it all comes out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I guess that's, that's like my therapy, you know, is uh, creating music. And that's actually very common, you know, especially among, you know, uh, uh, talented artists is that they use a lot of that as therapy to be able to express themselves the right way in a positive manner. So that's really good that you're doing that. Now, did you always want to be, you know, uh, a musician? Like, is that something that was always on your mind as from from at a young age? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, music has always just been a part of my life. I mean, uh, I remember, I think I was maybe 10 years old. Uh, I, I had some, you know, yard work money. Uh, and I went to go buy my first few albums, uh, just because I, I wanted some CDs. And the first three albums that I bought were um, a Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits, just because I, I liked the name Guns N' Roses. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. I got the uh, Nirvana Nevermind album. Nice, um, that's a good one. And, and yeah, it's a classic. And then, uh, and then I got Tupac's Greatest Hits because I knew if I got any other album that didn't say Greatest Hits on it, my mom would probably be like, "Uh, you know what? We're not going to listen to this." So, <laughs> no, that's really cool though. So obviously, uh, your inspiration for music is stemmed from a lot of different genres. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's crazy how how diverse, you know, a lot of these genres are with not only messages but like sounds, you know? I mean, I mean, that's that's really what it stems down to is I like sounds. So, you know, in in the alternative genre, you you get, you know, that nice distortion um that really just brings out the emotion of whatever it is that the band and the singer's trying to get out. And then you go into R&B and you feel, you know, that soul and then you get into to hip hop and rap and you and you hear that poetry, you know, what happens on the daily that maybe a lot of people don't really experience. So it's uh 
yeah, it's interesting. It's all about the sounds from from instruments to vocals. No, for sure. And the this the, the song Poison, uh, the lyrics, I mean, did you write that yourself or was that a collaboration? Uh, actually, it was like 90% myself. Um, I have a buddy named uh, Tariq who was actually in the studio with me. And, uh, you know, he was he was coming up with some some crazy, crazy lyrics that just kind of followed along with the song. And, uh, you know, it was it was a good collaboration. I, I'm big in collaborating. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like the more artists that work together, the better the project will be. No, and I agree with that. So, I mean, you know, when you created this, I mean, what, what were you like? What inspired you to create this song specifically? Well, it's uh, it's really just about self, you know, self-reflection. You know, I, I really feel like at some point, you know, we start to question a lot about a lot. And then, you know, sometimes we get a little paranoid and question why certain people are in our lives or why we're in someone's life. It just, it's a lot of confusion. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we experience a few uh, pseudo spiritual awakenings where we feel like we actually have the answer. And really it's just another, you know, another mile, you know, downhill or something. So um, that's pretty much what, what inspired it. It's just about, you know, the poisons that are trying to, you know, reel me in and how I'm also, you know, at that point in my life, I, I was, I was pretty toxic. And it kind of just all made sense why so much toxicity was around me, because at my core, I was just, you know, still not healed, so to speak. No, and that's and that sounds again. We go back to you, you know, uh, doing these things, you know, as a way to like to as a therapy. Because your your other song, Thorazine, you know, Thorazine's a medication for schizophrenia. So I mean, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if does that like was that song telling a story about something that you uh, went through or maybe something you witnessed? I mean, what was that one about? Uh, both actually. So Thorazine was actually originally inspired by the movie Shutter Island, if you've ever seen that movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So um, there was a line in there that just that just got to me. I'm not going to say it just uh, just in case no one's seen it. It's, it's a pretty old movie, but it's still it's really good. Um, and that really inspired the, the, the chorus melody. And, um, you know, I started looking into to Thorazine and what it did. And then I started reflecting on, you know, like the movies and there's certain scenes that really spoke to me. And I kind of just put it all together. And then I took a step back and thought, how does this relate to me? And really Thorazine is really just a way of me moving on past my alternative music scene, you know, because before I was doing this, I was I was in multiple bands as well. And I was uh, going to actually ask was, that. <laughs> I was actually going to ask that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was pretty much my goodbye to uh, alternative music. I, I wanted to make something a little more close to home with, you know, a genre that, uh, that, that's been one of my favorites for as long as I can remember. Nice. And and as speaking about you being in other bands, what was that experience like? I mean, obviously, you know, by what you're saying, it seems that that inspired you to create, you know, uh, solo uh, music. But I mean, what was like, you know, in general, I mean, was that what helped you create solo music or or was do you miss kind of being a part of a group? Um, you know, it was some of the best times in my life, honestly. I mean, it, it really it really helped me understand what it was like to not only work with, you know, other musicians and to really put egos aside and just kind of, you know, collaborate and make something that everyone's proud of. But 
it also just kind of taught me how how much family really is rooted in, in people that aren't even blood. So um, a part of me misses that, but at the same time, you know, I've always had a certain a certain way that I wanted to go about making music, and uh, I felt like at some point I would have to go the solo route just because I wanted to to see if I could a do it on my own and b be able to express things on my own and maybe even work with other artists. You know, um, unfortunately, one, one thing that I didn't like about being in a band is that, you know, you couldn't necessarily collaborate with a whole entire band. It's usually like a feature from a vocalist instead of a guitarist and things like that. So I just really wanted to, to be able to collaborate with all type of musicians, instrumentalists and vocalists. No, and that definitely that definitely works out great. So your your own solo uh, your own solo career that you're doing right now. What genre would you classify it? I mean, you know, would you classify it as rock, alternative rock, uh, you know, R and B alternative? I just created a word right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> would you would like what exactly you know would you consider yourself? That's you know that's that's a really good question because I really don't know because. Uh, when when it was coming down to making this EP, uh, I was really really listening to uh, a lot of Juice World, a lot of Lil Peep. I was also listening to you know, um, um, oh my gosh, what was the name of the band? I was listening to a lot of The Devil Wears Prada. Just going back to my old days, you know, North Lane. So a lot of alternative music and a lot of you know modern day, I guess, trap music. But um, so I, I really don't know. But you know. Those artists that I named were, you know, some of my influences for this EP or for that sound of the EP. No, and 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 that's that's something that you know a lot of people. It just seems that whenever classifications come to mind, it's really difficult for a lot of artists to like nowadays. It's really difficult for a lot of artists to actually classify themselves into one genre because they're just like picking at different genres and adding them into their music. Like you said earlier, you know, I mean, you, you got inspiration from R&B, from rap, from alternative, from all these different, uh, these different genres. So, so you can't really choose one, I would, I would imagine. No, I just like to pick and choose what parts of genres that I like and kind of just mash them into one, and, you know, hope that it works. And well, I mean, yeah, so far it has. I mean, your music is really amazing. So, so far, that's exactly what's happening. So I got to ask, so during this quarantine that we're all facing right now, how has that been treating you? Have you been just like, you know, shelling out more music, just creating more lyrics, just creating and creating? I mean, has it has the quarantine, you know, stopped you from continuing forward? Um, not really. I mean, I'm always creating every day. You know, that's just how my mind works. I wake up and I'm already thinking about, OK, how can I do? Uh, this next graphic or how can I make this lyric better so if anything it really just gave me more time to just chill out and really think about what I want to do next with with music and with my sound overall so you just so basically it just gave you more of an opportunity to like I guess uh, I mean it's, you got to look at it as it's opening your mind to many more possibilities I would imagine yeah absolutely and it and honestly I really took the time to really get to know you know, my team a lot better. You know, I, I got uh, a really good relationship with, with my engineer and uh, that helps a lot. You know, that the person that's supposed to make you sound good, having a good relationship with them uh, definitely goes a long way. And, uh, you know, just, just uh, yeah, just like I said, getting to know my team a little better and just understanding what it is that we want, not only out of each other, but out of you know, the projects. 
And how has the team, how has the team been uh, uh, working with you? I mean, how's that been going so far? Oh man, they have been such a blessing. I would really, really not be anywhere without them. So, you know, they're, they're a huge, huge part of, of my career and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for them. And I hope that we continue to work, you know, throughout the years. No, for sure. And I also understand that, uh, that you're, uh, that you guys have kind of uh, gone with uh, Fifty Fifty Global Music Inc., which is the same, which is the same, uh, you know, label that powers uh, the Xander Effect. Yeah, yeah. Not too, not too uh, long ago, I signed over. Yeah. So how's that? So how's that one? How's that experience been for you so far? It's been absolutely amazing. You know, I can't complain about really anything. I mean, they've, they've given me um, creative freedom. They've listened to me they've kept in contact with me and they've, you know, been extremely motivating. So I can't complain at all. Nice. Nice, dude. That's a, and they're, they're, they're a really good label to be with. I'll, I'll tell you that much right now, just, you know, cause I'm here. <laughs> so I, I mean, you know, other than that, I mean, you know, you, you got the vocals, you obviously know how to, how to write music. I mean, do you play any instruments at all? Yeah, so um, for this EP, I didn't really produce much. I outsourced a lot of a lot of the the sounds and stuff because I wanted to see, like I said, that I was able to work with other people in different genres, and it it worked. But um, for the next, you know, couple things that are coming out, yeah, it's all been self produced. It's been, uh, you know, just me and my engineer. I do play a little bit of of piano, a uh, little bit of guitar, um, and I produce every now and then. So. So basically, so, okay, so that then, then, yeah, so I mean, you're like, you're basically trying to like, mainly focus on just the production portion of it, not so much in the instrumental part of it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I have an understanding of where, where I want to go instrumentally and uh, sonically. So yeah, now it's just a matter of production and, and getting that structure that I want, you know. Nice. So, I mean, what can we expect on on the future music that you have cooking right now in the pipeline? <laughs> um, it's a little different from the EP. I'd like to say it's a lot more uh, sub friendly. So if you have a nice sub in your car, you're, you're definitely going to enjoy it. And nice. um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's just a, a little more different and a lot more. Uh, I'd like to think of it as progress. So. So that's well, no, but that's that's fantastic. Progress is always good. So you also had another uh, debut EP titled Rebirth. What was that? What what, what was the purpose of, of titling it Rebirth? So Rebirth was just like it was. It was just a very personal EP for me in general. Um, I I knew coming into this project that I wanted to talk about you know my past and uh, well at least the emotions of my past and kind of how that led to the death of an ego, you know? Um, so it, it was pretty much, yeah, it's the rebirth of, of uh, me as a, as an artist, as a person, you know? So it was just, yeah, it was just the, the intro to a new beginning, I guess. Okay. And you basically, I, I mean, you have instrumental sound choices that you love to choose from. What's the, what's the, what's your favorite instrumental to use on your music? Oh man, um, that's a good one. I I really like, I really like synths and I really like guitars. So I would say both of those. But if I had to pick one, probably guitars, just because it's still 
organic and the mistakes and flaws within a guitar still sounds, you know, really good. No, yeah, and I agree with that. I actually like, to be honest with you, I have, I like the combination of guitars and pianos. That's, those are, those have always been, uh, you know, something of my favorite. And every once in a while, I don't mind like adding in a little bit of violin too. Violins actually sound pretty dope too. Like I, I, I gotta admit that, you know, having a violin adds a little bit of a, of a somber emotion to a song. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it can definitely create that, you know, theatrical environment. Totally. So, I mean, you, you, br- you pretty much, you bring life to, uh, to the dark, in other words, you know? Um, and, you know, in doing so, is that something that you're trying to pretty much uh, showcase to the public is just that there is light at the end of the tunnel? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, we we can all relate to those bad days, you know? I mean, we don't wake up every day feeling 100%, especially if you have, you know, some sort of thing going on in life. Um, It's just, I don't know, I feel like sometimes people just really do get lost or they feel like they're, you know, pretty much stuck uh, in, in a dark place. But yeah, no, I mean, every day I woke up and every day I got happier and happier i mean yeah there was some really bad days but for every bad day there was two good days you know no that's a really good way to look at it because that's that's exactly especially right now with everything people are going with the quarantine with the protests with everything that's going on it's always good to know that tomorrow's going to be a better day at least that's what we're hoping (laughs) every single time we wake up so that's always that's always a good thing yeah absolutely so i mean now, like now that things are starting to reopen little by little, uh, are you looking to possibly get into any like concerts? Are you looking to tour pretty soon? What's what's the plan there? Um, kind of. I mean, I'm I'm looking more to to be able to host events for for my community. That way, you know, I can gather local uh, POC artists and maybe even start, you know, to to organize like a mentorship program for all the local artists out here. Um, but I, I mainly want to do that. I mean, shows will come at some point, you know, especially once I have more music out. But I think right now my focus is not only getting a better sound, but also, you know, trying to to build and, you know, uh, progress the community around me. No, that's for, that's that's a good way to to do things. That's for sure. I mean, you know, like use your use your influential artistic ability to bring a community get a community together i would i would imagine yeah absolutely i mean i i wouldn't be anything without the community anyways but if it wasn't for my team the community or even other artists similar to me I, you know I, I wouldn't exist true true that's very true so like i'm wondering you know i know that you're working on your own solo stuff right now will you be collaborating with any other artists in the uh, in you know, in the near future with, uh, with your songs coming up at all? Um, as of right now, it's still up in the air. I would love to, it was just, uh, we have to make sure, you know, we, we can get it all approved and then, yeah, I, I, I would love to, to feature with, with a few artists, um, especially locally. And, you know, as we go up, up the, uh, the ladder. Yeah. So in, in asking that question, uh, I want, I'm wondering which, who would you ideally like to collaborate with, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, uh, an independent artist or somebody more mainstream? I mean, who would you want to go ahead and, and collaborate with? Um, as far as, you know, a local 
on the local level. Uh, I got to say my, my boy Tariq right now, he's, you know, slowly working on, on some, some music. So I definitely want to collab with him, you know, kids a genius and uh, I can't wait for him to release some stuff, but on a mainstream level, I would definitely say uh, Travis Scott or uh, Don Tolliver, you know, I, I would definitely love to, to work with, with either of them. Nice. Those are good choices. Those are really good choices. So, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to other inspirations, cause I mean, you, you said that you bought, you know, Guns N' Roses, Tupac, things like that. I mean, who, like what kind of musical influences, you know, inspired you to get into music to begin with? Um, I would say, let's see, musical influences. Growing up, it was, I mean, unfortunately, you know, Kurt Cobain and, and Tupac weren't alive, but. Mm -hmm. They could they still be influences. A, they could still be influences. Yeah. Way, you know, <laughs> they were, they were huge influences uh, with, with, you know, my music and just like how I kind of saw the world, but growing up, you know, um, I remember Neo was one of them. That's someone mm -hmm. that I was just like, man, he's a really good songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, throughout the later years, uh, I, I remember blasting T.I. So T.I. Was, was another one. Nice. Um, let's see, who else was it? And then later, later on was Frank Ocean. I think Frank Ocean was, was uh, the, the artist really that, that kind of just molded everything together for me as far as lyrically musically and visually i mean you know he, he was really good at just bringing out and he still is really good at bringing out you know the the scene of, of this of whatever song he's doing he just brings it to life and, and like puts you into the actual song so i think that was really the biggest influence for me as just an overall artist with music Nice, man. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, you have wonderful choices in, in, in artists and, you know, you have great taste in music, you know, so, I mean, and obviously <laughs> it, it reflects on and reflects on the music that you're playing right now. So that you're performing right now. So I'm happy to see that, you know, you continue to grow. And let me tell you, you the only way to go from here is up, bro, because seriously, your music is amazing. I, I love your music. Uh, I think it's incredible. How can people stalk you on social media so they could go ahead and check out some of, some of what you're up to? So, like I said, I like to kind of keep low key. So for right now, I only have, uh, or I'm only active on Instagram so they could follow me or check me out at Zagata Forever 2020. So, yeah. Sweet. Sweet. So they could go ahead and check out, you know, the food that you're eating and everything because, I mean, you, you know. You know, you take pictures of food maybe or something or, you know. Actually, a lot of the time <laughs> I'm just in the studio. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, maybe you could go ahead and, you know, take a picture of whatever you're eating in the studio too. So we could go ahead and do that one. <laughs> I, I should, because I'm going to tell you right now that when we get together in the studio, we have the best food. I mean, we're talking anywhere from home cooked meals. Uh, sometimes we'll get Popeye. Sometimes we'll get, you know, local uh, Mexican food. Um, things like that. So we're always eating good in the studio. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I, and, 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 and asking about the studio, how, like, how many hours a day do you spend in the studio? So fortunately I'm lucky enough to have a little setup at my house. So, you know, when I get home from whatever it is I'm doing, I usually spend a couple hours here, either making sounds or uh, creating vocal melodies. And then when I'm ready or when I think I have a good idea, 
I'll go to um, my engineer studio, uh, Dan Alvarez. I'll go to his studio and we will stay there from anywhere from like 6 p.m. until 6 a.m. for two days straight. Wow. And, I'm, and let me guess, studio has no windows, nothing, right? Nothing. It's literally <laughs> just a very dark room with LED lights. Yep. Yep. That sounds, that sounds about right. <laughs> I've been in studios, man. And let me tell you, like, the hours just go by and you don't even feel it until you like, you're like, um, as soon as you open the door, you look outside and you're like, um, it wasn't sunny when I got here. <laughs> like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> you know, someone exactly. just turned on the lights, but no, that's really cool, man. Well, Zakita, thank you so much for being on the Xander Effect. You know, I, I love your music. I will continue to play your music. Hopefully I get to have you on the show again, especially when you go ahead and you drop your new music as well. And uh, hopefully maybe once this whole crazy quarantine's done and over with, we could have a sit down and actually have an in-person interview and uh, we could chat a little bit more about what you got going on and maybe even help, maybe even uh, chat with you at a concert that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, thank you for, for having me. It was you know, a big pleasure. But um, yeah, uh, once all this is over and I have more to share, then yeah, I would love to sit down and uh, talk further. And yeah, who knows, maybe, maybe I'll do a couple uh tours and and be out by you sounds good i like that idea <laughs> all right man well we'll talk to you very soon and uh you know keep doing what you're doing all right thank you all right take care thank you so much cicada for being on the xander effect looking forward to having you on again as your music continues to grow in sports WWE's Undertaker, real name Mark Calloway, uh, pretty much, um, you know, hinted at his retirement already. The 55-year-old was uh, quoted in a new documentary by the WWE Network called Last Ride. And he basically said in uh, the documentary, well, actually, it's more like a biopic. Um, and he's talked about his match against AJ Styles at WrestleMania, at this year's WrestleMania, which is the Boneyard match, which that match was freaking <laughs> I hate to use uh, AJ's uh, wording but it was phenomenal and uh, of course Undertaker uh, beat AJ Styles in that uh, Boneyard match and uh, from what Mark Calloway said in the biopic, he said, quote, it was a perfect moment. You don't necessarily always get those. If there was ever a perfect ending to a career, that right there was it. It's time this cowboy really rides away. I can do more good outside the ring than I can inside. I'm finally at a place where I can accept that. So basically, uh, he really didn't officially say uh, he was retiring. Um, you know, but at the same time, he also didn't dispute it either. I mean, that the, the, what he was saying, is, it, it almost seems like it's, you know, it's it's uh, kind of like a farewell type of thing, to be honest. Not to mention, he also did mention that he would probably consider returning for one last match. But, of course, only time would tell. So, again, it, you know... It, he could just be, uh, he could say that he's retired. He was already practically retired as it was after uh, the Roman Reigns WrestleMania match when we saw him put his uh, his jacket, his, uh, his hat, his gloves down in the middle of the ring and walk out. We all believed he retired then. And in a sense, he kind of did because he became only a part, well, 
he's been a part-time wrestler for the past few years. I mean, you know, he is 55 and he's had, you know, close to three decades of being in the industry. And that's not an easy industry to be in. It's a very hard life, traveling all the time. I mean, you're, there's broken bones. Yeah. The entertainment is uh, entertaining. It's all acting and everything, but the actual wrestling, that's real. That actually hurts because those those mats are not made up of, uh, of marshmallows. They hurt when you hit them. So, I mean, th that type of stuff, you know, uh, the, the some of the wrestling that happens is actually real. And, you know, many wrestlers have gotten bones broken from, from doing what they do, what they love to do, and which is entertaining all of us. So it's no wonder that, uh, that Mark has decided to go ahead and uh, possibly retire. I mean, you know, the last time uh, he had a really serious injury was the WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar where he lost for the very first time at WrestleMania and uh, he he suffered a concussion back then and little by little it's been happening with Undertaker that he's been getting uh, more and more injuries whenever he comes back to in-ring competition after being absent for so long so that could also have a lot to do with it as well but you know I mean it's it's sad to see an icon like that go and even AJ Styles went ahead and tweeted, he, he went ahead and said, quote, still floored by the experience and reaction to the hashtag Boneyard match at hashtag WrestleMania. If it was the last time at Undertaker laced up his boots, I'm honored it was with me. Hashtag last ride. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, so many other people also went to uh, to uh, social media and expressed their sadness for Undertaker saying goodbye. Uh, there was a, there was a there's a ring announcer named Mike Rome that also went on Twitter and said, "quote Thank you for making our childhood so cool. Thank you for the journeys you took us on. Thank you for growing with us and evolving. Thank you for being larger than life. Thank you for everything you have given to wrestling. You always you will always be hashtag the phenom." Hashtag thank you taker and to be honest I share those sentiments with each and every single one of the wrestling fans I've watched Undertaker since he made his debut as his debut at SummerSlam and I was scared when I was a kid I used to watch Undertaker I was terrified of him especially when he went ahead and uh, you know he went up against the ultimate warrior and uh, he he joined forces with Papa Shango that that right there scared the hell out of me when I was a kid I mean you know I thought it was at the time I thought you know all this stuff was real and I was like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. You know, there's a voodoo guy and there's a dead man. You know, it's like insane. He did such an amazing job scaring us, but at the same time, having all of the fans love him for what he does. You know, he is the phenom. He will always be the phenom. And in my eyes, you know, in my heart, I will miss him as well. I, you know, I was already starting to miss him when he wasn't doing any more uh, wrestling events, no more wrestling matches, because there's just nobody like The Undertaker. Nobody that brings magic to wrestling as much as The Undertaker did. And, you know, Undertaker, Mark Calloway, thank you so much for my childhood memories. Thank you so much for being just an icon in WWE. In other sports news, Federal authorities are investigating a noose that was found in, Bub in Bubba Wallace's garage at NASCAR. And um, 
they're taking this very seriously because apparently, uh, you know, Bubba Wallace has been very vocal about, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and about uh, being, you know, together and everything. And seems like somebody at NASCAR, nobody knows who it is yet, but authorities are investigating, uh, decided to uh, send a message to uh, to Bubba by placing a noose in his garage at a NASCAR at a NASCAR Speedway event. And it's just it's just something in poor, poor taste. Um, you know, J.E. Town, the United States attorney for the Northern District of Alabama, said, quote, regardless of whether federal charges can be brought, this type of action has no place in our society. And it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, this is not the time to be doing things like this, even if it was a prank. It was in poor taste. It was incredibly important taste, and it's it's not something that should be ever taken lightly. Bubba went ahead and he said, quote, This will not break me. I will not give in, nor will I back down. I will continue to proudly stand for what I believe in. So, you know, Bubba is definitely not uh, not backing down from anything that he's uh, that, that he's believing in, which, you know, props to him for that. Richard Petty, uh, another a, a driver also who, uh, who employs Wallace, went ahead and said, quote, the sick person who perpetrated this act must be found, exposed, and swiftly and immediately expelled from NASCAR. I believe in my heart this despicable act is not representative of the com- of the competitors I see each day in the NASCAR garage area. I stand shoulder to shoulder with Bubba. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and every day forward. So that's you know that's basically you know a lot of people have his back. And to be honest with you, that's just important. What they did. I hope they end up uh, solving who did this and decide to expel him from NASCAR. In other sports news, very disturbing uh, things happen over the weekend with an MMA with a UFC event that uh, it was basically uh, Max Roscoff's and, uh, you know, went ahead and took on Austin Hubbard uh, in his debut at uh, at the UFC event. And uh, this is actually, you know, with short notice, he was actually just added to the card. He had to cut weight. He had to do a lot of things. And he went ahead and he went up again against Austin and he was getting beaten and battered. Uh, he decided to, you know, like pretty much call off uh, the fight, in, uh, you know, right before the start of round three of the of the fight. And Roscoff, he he basically was st- sitting there. I saw the video. He was sitting there. He was pleading with his uh, with his uh, with his corner with his coach Robert Drysdale. And in a video that's posted all over Twitter, he kept on telling Drysdale, "Call it, call it." call it and Drysdale, Drysdale just kept on pushing and pushing saying you know uh, you're a champion stop it you could do this you could do this just take him down you know and he just was not feeling it he wasn't feeling it he was t- he kept on telling him, no call it call it call it and Drysdale refused to and then finally the referee stepped in and said are you done and he was like yes call it you know so they ended up calling off the, the fight but this is all against Drysdale's uh, suggestions and because of that there's an investigation going Going on about that because when a fighter says that they can't, they can't stop pushing them to continue forward. It, there's got to be a reason why this kid was was saying no more, no more, no more, and it's just you know it, it's not right for for this person, you know, for for a coach especially to keep on pushing his fighter to continue forward if he doesn't want to. 
I mean, this is something that, you know, like, it, it, you know, for lack of a better word, no means no. If the guy's done, the guy's done. Stop pushing for him to continue to get beaten out there in the octagon. Dana White went ahead and said, quote, let me tell you what, in this effing sport, if you're done, you're done. You should absolutely be able to quit. I know that it's frowned upon, but guess what? Anybody that would talk as about you quitting isn't in there fighting. It's really easy to be a critic. What these kids do is a whole other level. As the guy who runs this organization, as the guy who's involved in the matchmaking and everything else, you see these kids, we deal with managers from all over the world. They're like, this guy's the guy. This guy's the guy. When you get here, this is a whole different level. And that guy, that guy's not ready and he might not ever be ready. I've told you guys this many times before. I believe back in the day that I was a fighter and I wanted to do this and that and and, and that and one day I found out that I wasn't. The realization was that I wasn't. When you find out, you need to walk away. I'm not saying that's the case with this kid, but if that kid felt like he needed to quit, who the F is anybody to judge him on that? He had the balls to come here and fight and take short notice fight in the UFC, period. And to be honest with you, I mean, Dana White's got a point on that because at the end of the day, he cut weight and even uh, Brian Butker of Sucker Punch Entertainment, he went ahead and said, quote, Max suffered from fatigue due to the short notice weight cut combined with a pre-existing turf toe injury and was not able to overcome both. Didn't think the turf toe would become an issue, but combined with the fatigue, he just couldn't keep going. He is going to take some time off to heal up. So that's the bottom line when it happens to that. And at the end of the day, we cannot criticize. We're not in there. We're not fighters. You know, fans cannot automatically say oh the guy's being you know the guy's you know being weak he's being you know he's being a pansy whatever what dude you guys you don't know what these guys go through i mean this is a fight yes it's got gloves but it's still a fight i mean you're there to get hurt you're there to bleed you're there to get cut you're there to get your bones broken you're there to get slammed you're there to, to pretty much get destroyed or be the destroyer but even as a destroyer you're still going to take your licks anyway in order to be able to win so for somebody to go ahead and criticize this dude for saying you know stop the fight there's got to be a reason why he did that and you know what he had the the brains to do so before he got seriously injured so that was good on him for doing that i don't criticize i actually praise the guy for actually take you know having the brains to stop the fight doesn't make him a coward makes him intelligent for doing that so that's my take on that coming up next in video game news it looks like microsoft is saying goodbye to mixer and saying hello to facebook gaming we'll talk a little bit about that coming up next but first here is marquise mcclendon's fifth street right here on the sander effect Apartments. 
At least we ain't had that blicky when they caught us. Told my nigga to punch it because I think they on us. This shit ain't get easier, we just got smarter. Now my brother on the run from him. They came to me for some info, I ain't got none for him. He got out the country, he put the dust on him. What's fucked up is that his own nigga told on him. Why you do him like that? You know he would've gave the shirt off his back. You don't know what it's like to do a bit on that mat. That's why you telling no niggas to cut your sentence in half. Hey, and that nigga still love you. No matter how bad you did him, you know a brother's a brother. Uh, this one for the guys. We gon' ride for each other. These bitch ass niggas ungrateful motherfuckers. I can't even tell the whole story. Cause after I tell you, I gotta worry. You know that jury will give you 30. That's why you can't do dirt around niggas that ain't sturdy. Try to be a real nigga. I told you I'll forgive you. I won't forget it. Now let's eat. I'm your fucking meal ticket. What's going on? It's Amanda Holly, and you're listening to The Xander Effect. Boy, got me tripping. You stay up on my mind. The reason that my heart beats. If you leave a flat line, you got such a connection.
That was Amanda Holly's Get It Boy right here on the Xander Effect. In video game news, looks like Microsoft is shutting down Mixer and will now be partnering with Facebook Gaming. Uh, they went ahead and made the announcement that they are shutting down Mixer and on July 22nd, it will redirect all Mixer sites and apps to Facebook Gaming. What's that mean? Well, basically... Uh, that means that all the all the 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 uh, the streamers on uh, on Mixer will either have to go to Facebook Gaming or consider continue or return to Twitch. Uh, so that's there. That's pretty much where you know what's going to happen there. Uh, Microsoft made the decision and they said, "quote It became clear that the time needed to grow our own live stream community to scale was out of measure with the vision and experiences we want to deliver to gamers now." So that also means that uh, at this point, uh, top streamers like uh, Tyler, quote, Ninja Blevins and Corey, uh, quote, uh, King Gatholian and Michael Shroud uh, Grizik. Sorry, Grizik uh, will actually have to find a new home. Now, so far, uh, Tyler went ahead. Actually, I'm sorry, uh, King Gatholian went ahead and announced that he will be joining Facebook Gaming on June 24th. So he's already going there. But right now, it's unclear whether Ninja or Shroud will be also going there uh, at this time. Dexerto's Richard Lewis uh, went ahead and said, quote, Sources familiar with the deal have informed me that while Facebook did try and negotiate to keep their big partners, both Shroud and Ninja opted out. They have received their full payments and as of midnight yesterday, were free to engage in talks with other platforms. Game on. So it this this decision by Microsoft has created a bit of a, of a chaotic transition for many of these streamers. So we'll see what happens, you know, in the future. We'll see if uh, Ninja and Shroud decide to go ahead and join in on the new Facebook gaming platform. That's the news. In case you haven't heard it, thank you so much for listening. Remember, there's still a virus out there. There's still, uh, you still need to continue to be safe. Please continue to practice social distancing. Remember to wear a mask when you go out. Gloves if you got them. Goggles if you got them. Uh, right now, you know, we still need to be safe and keep ourselves safe and our loved ones safe. Uh, remember, in these very trying times, very difficult times of separation this is the times that we need to be mostly together this is one world we are all in this together and remember music always always heals all we'll see you next time y'all <laughs> i be tell i tell yeah you did they ain't believe it though <laughs> one life Game be telling. What up? Woo! So we kick it like it's kickball. Power couple. She dripping in that they'll say goodbye. They want to touch her. Everybody know that's do girl. What you going to do by me and her take on the world? Now that's the truth. Hey, everyone. The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music, Inc., Sony Music, The Orchard, and BMG Bertelsmann Group in association with Art19 Media.